Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We're here for the 147th episode of Alpha Metallica, that being Turn the Page, a Bob Seger cover by the boys that is of course on Garage Inc. was a single, is is a huge song in its own right, and we're going to get into the the cover, uh, the legacy of Bob Seger, and all those, uh, you know, associate acts and artists, and just this lineage, really looking forward to this one. If you enjoy the show, and you want to get back to there's many, many ways you can get, you can follow us at MetallicaPod on Twitter. You know, often the main thing that I do on there is reach out to you guys for your own reviews of these songs. And today we've got loads of t- tons of great reviews to get into uh, from the Twitter. MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show and discuss something with me or just want to correspond. All the songs are now taken. You know, I'm looking at my list now. It's crazy. I used to have this giant Excel spreadsheet that I have to, like, you know, scroll down for eons. But now it just fits on on half a page, you know, a smattering of cells. And I can see the end date right there printed in the third column. So, uh, yeah, it's coming up, guys. But if you want to just come on and discuss, like, a concert or a top ten or whatever. And, you know, we've got loads of cool stuff on the Patreon. I'm not sure what might not be out. But we've done an episode about the rarest songs that Metallica have played live. The songs that Metallica have never played. We've done the uh, Guitar Hero episode. Um, we've got some more cool segments coming about Metal Massacre and, you know, the band's noodles on stage and, and, and doodles and just kind of, you know, offerings uh, to the host city there musically from Robin Kirk. So, um, yeah, check out the Patreon as well. iTunes, leave us a review. Today is like any other show. It's myself and a guest. And it's Chris from North Carolina. Chris, how's it going? Very good. Yourself? Very well. And you are, I mean, in this small, tiny world of ours, Chris, the sort of Metallica podcast community, you know, the the affiliates over the sea. Shout out to Ethan. I know Ethan recently had a meetup in London that we just spoke about off air that unfortunately I couldn't make. It was just bad timing, Ethan, but you were literally like 100 miles away from me. But still, um, you know, you're in this world, as I say, because people call you Metallaclaws, low key. I mean, do you want to explain why? Yeah, so I don't know. I just... Uh... I really like the the community that uh, has formed around the around the podcast. Yeah, um, I've been I've been close with Clint and Ethan on the on the Metal Up Your Podcast side, and I've tried to do what when I can help uh, with uh, with that group and what goes on over there, and you know, offering stuff to uh, give out as as prizes and help with their. Uh, pre-parties that they've uh, mm-hmm. that they've done in January and all that, and um, I was that the, legendary uh, I was pre- the guy that had the T-shirt and the yeah. hardware experience, yeah, podcast T-shirt, so. yeah. I mean, uh, some uh, some of the items you've given, like, do you want to list a few? So uh, yeah, the last one. Um, so I'm a big S and M cat, huge S and M cat. So I got I got a good bit of uh, of an S and M collection. So uh, the last. Uh, in January, uh, the pre-party for Nashville, which was also their, they tagged as their second anniversary show. Mm. Um, I had some S and M uh, programs from both the uh, New York and Berlin shows mm. that I donated. Uh, an Electra, Electra pressing uh, vinyl of S and M, which is a little bit, a little bit harder to find because obviously vinyl was not uh, as popular in the late '90s as yeah. it's uh, making its comeback right now. A um, couple different, you know, promo stuff here and there. Um, I brought my collection, the, the first, uh, anniversary party they had, I brought a good part of my collection out there and kind of set up a little mini museum too. So, um, yeah, it's all, it's all good and fun. It's, love uh, it. love being part of the, the Metallica community and, um, you know, whether it's been up your podcast or on the forums or I'm known as the honey badger, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good fun. And, and yeah, I mean. Going to those parties as well, uh, those Metal Your Podcast Nashville nights, like that to me, it would be like seeing Metallica at the Stone. 
Like that is a, a nexus point. That is a legendary happening right there. Yeah, I mean, as you as you get further and further, you know, embedded in the Metallica community, a lot of times going to these shows, it's as much about just seeing other people, yeah. meeting people. You know, I recently was able to uh, go to the show in Munich. I basically flew to Munich pretty much just for that show, and I got to see five or six people who I've only known through the forums, but actually got to meet with them and drink beers with them, and and yeah. you know, become friends, more friends. So that's uh, as much as anything as the show itself. And what about Metallica then? in general their music like what were your first interactions with the band yeah so i got i guess i kind of have a little bit of a unique online process so i grew up basically listening to, to country music hmm. and then in about 90 i think 95 or 96 through my stepdad i got exposed to brian setzer oh and yeah and the guitar, the guitar slinger album which Rockabilly. i absolutely i fell in love with that stuff mm-hmm. well crazy. Basically, this just kind of got me primed because that big band swing stuff, it's, it's rock. It's got orchestrational elements. So in 99, uh, my, step, uh, my mom and my, myself bought the S&M album for my stepdad for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I heard that thing, it, it, it completely changed everything. I can't tell you how many times I got caught stealing that CD and, and going back in the room and listening to it. And I have probably listened to that album no less than once every two weeks, almost once a week, and it has never gotten old for me. Wow. And like beyond that then, getting through, have you always stuck with this band? Are there sore points for you, sonically? Um, you know, I, 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 like, uh, I like the progression of where, you know, the journey, you know, just the Ride the Lightning is probably my favorite album, and it's because of the progression that, you mm. know, just this huge transformation that happened kill them all to ride the lightning you know and and the band has gone through several different uh almost transformations or progressions um throughout the years and i think that's just just as important you know i i don't get my i don't get too hung up on that i if that's what keeps them energized and excited and and keeps the creative juices flowing and the energy going like that's what i kind of connect to so i like the loads you know i like some of the energy on, on St. Anger, some of the stuff that, that goes on there. I, you know, that was the first album that came out when I came online. So, you know, I'm not a complete St. Anger hater by any means. Right. And so a lot of those songs are really great live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, and that's what I love about what they do too, is there, you know, you, there's a, a difference, I guess, between bands that can just write songs and ones that can write songs that are good, but still be able to play them live. And I think they've always kept this, you know, they've always been known as a live band. And in the back of their head, even as nitpicky as you see Lars get on, you know, splicing things together and making perfection, there's always this thing in the back of their head of, can we play this live? And I think that's what what makes some of their songs timeless. This is one of the rare occasions with a cover song by Metallica where the original artist is arguably just as big in some circles like certainly in terms of legendary status bob seeger you know we're not talking about a discharge or a diamond head here we're talking about someone who sold you know tens of millions of records tons of legendary songs was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame by kid rock nonetheless in 2004 and you know this guy is endlessly celebrated and and still playing from what i gather on kind of his farewell tour currently is um 74 Are, are you much of a bob seeger fan you know, I haven't I haven't dipped into his catalog a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously through turn the page, I became aware of of Seeger and I've dipped into it a little bit. 
Um, he definitely has a, a pretty big cult following in, oh, yep. in the States. Uh, I know a lot of people that are really huge into him. I think I might be a bit of a generation kind of kind of removed from uh, being into that that type of music a little bit, but um, there's no doubt his impact and influence on on music is huge. Yeah, and it's it's interesting actually because I found this interview. I'm not sure exactly when it's from. I mean, I just kind of found it online. Apparently, it's from uh, Guitar World. It's with Hetfield. It's called Sixty Minutes with James Hetfield. And basically, he's on the bus and he's asked to list. I'm guessing this must be about early, like kind of late '80s, mid '80s, um, to list albums that he's just listening to um, on the tour bus. And he names Bob Seger's greatest hits. And he says, I fucking hate Bob Seger, but that song is great. Um, turn the page. Okay, I don't really hate him, but he was one of the guys I'd hear on the radio all the time polluting my ears with get your records off the shelf. That really annoyed me. And, you know, you talk about generational things there. Like, Seger, to a lot of fans, probably quite surprising. A bit of a, bit of a stuffy old man, you know, in certain ways. Like, a bit confusing. You know, it's interesting, too, because I'm not familiar with that interview because mm. I even know when, as far as even turn the page coming up, uh, from from what I'm aware of, that was almost accredited to, to Lars hearing it on the radio. And, yeah, oh yeah, on Golden and saying, yeah. hey, Hetfield's vocals on this would be outstanding, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's kind of a that's a inter- interesting find there. Yeah, I think it might be a different Bob Seger song. He's maybe talking about um, maybe yeah. maybe maybe wake up there, but but still, it's cool to hear him talk about Bob Seger at that period. And for myself, yeah, not too familiar. Like one of the things that I used when I was really getting into music, um, kind of like two thousand seven, eight, or whatever. Last FM. Did you ever use that website? No, no. So it kind of is defunct now. It still exists, but not in its its greatness of that time so essentially what it would do was it would scrobble your music so it was a verb that meant read your ipod when you plugged it in and it would say okay listen to like you know stone temple pilots a thousand times which would never happen on my watch but you know i don't know why that, i don't know why that example leapt out of my mind they're very fraudulent but you know it'll learn what you like and then suggest stuff and i found so many good people for the websites everyone did it was such a good website and i'd be listening to obviously a lot of uh you know tom waits and say tom petty and you know that kind of stuff um government mule and mc5 and you know Seeger would always come up but i just never really clicked on the guy you know what i mean and it's like this yep. song as a whole is maybe a macrocosm for that thought process because I, I i enjoy the song like i respect the song it's very well made it just it just doesn't click with me i'm afraid i i, I, I could i could not honestly wholeheartedly say i enjoy the song rather than i respect and understand the song yeah as far as turn the page as far as turn the page yeah, um, I, I like his version. I, I, you know, it's it's definitely more stripped back version compared to to what Metallica ended up covering. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that two have two different kind. Of, like I can't, I cannot separate the Metallica version from the music video. Yeah. But the, you know, so they kind of tell two different tales in my head. Where Sears, you know, side is more, you know, it's a, it's about him and his, his yeah. experience on the road, you know, and then when Metallica took it on, it transitions into this other story, but now, you know, post Saint Anger, post some kind of monster, you can almost reconnect Metallica and these lyrics and what they've gone through and what James has gone through, almost back to, you know, the original connotation from what Seer wrote. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and the video plays that idea brilliantly, but the chorus is, here I am. You know, every chorus deep down is kind of saying that sentiment, you know, but here it is, just on the road again, and it is kind of this classic kind of travailing track through a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of standard roadisms, countryisms, but really well written. I think the lyrics throughout this track are succinct and evocative and clever. Yeah, I mean, they they do what most great songs do, and it tells a story. You know, you can you can picture it in your head without music videos without anything else aside you know you can everything that he's talking about you can picture this in your head and play it through your mind and i think all great songs do that yeah and it just kind of goes beyond like it casts a lot of power on sort of hetfield's uh stuff sometimes where it just doesn't kind of make sense doesn't have a resonance but i love how you can listen to the engine moaning out this one note song that's beautiful oh yes yeah absolutely so you know a lot of, again a lot of people talk about Hetfield as his great lyricist. I don't think he's very he's capable of conjuring something quite like that. Not that that's you have to write that way to be a great lyricist, and you have, that has to be on your yardstick. But um, it's great to hear his voice on that track, tackling lines like that and kind of just uh, evoking ideas in a very kind of clear uh, way. Um, his yeah. his singing throughout is rightly celebrated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I you know even going back to your your last comment there. I mean. You know, we're so used to, you know, a lot of Hetfield's lyrics have, um, they're left to a lot of interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. They're very... Love very is a fallout word. Yeah. You know, but this is a very, a very literal lyric yeah. uh, in this song. So having James be able to sing something like that, it's a very literal, very storytelling type type of lyric, I think, really makes it makes it unique. But, uh, you know, James is the, the tones he uses... Um, just the the groove. This is the, just they're just a flavor that that mm-hmm. just suits his vocal style yeah. so good on this. You know, I think a lot of people, at least in the states, have always wondered. You know, how they think. You know, James making some sort of a of a old school type country type record or something like that would be really really good. I think mm. this is a little bit of a little bit of a glimpse of that, yeah. that of that that you know you get that feeling of. And one of the huge things that maybe sort of passes you by if you were listing what's so, because the song is really different in so many ways, is how uncluttered the rhythm guitar is. You know, there's not really any riffing here. You know, it's just kind of simple yep. chords. There's a lot of slide guitars, there's a lot of accompaniment going on from Kirk that we'll get to. But ultimately, you know, it's just a set, it's just a chord chart that you'll get an ultimate guitar and just strum out to your heart's content. You don't really need to feel too much. It's not a dire's eve or anything like that. Yep. And that allows Hetfield to, you know, engage himself a little differently and, and, and the whispers and um the use of the smoke sound effect and stuff like that he's having so much fun here yeah for sure i think like you said the for what the decisions they made on the on the main on the main riffs and how that's all allowing james to use his vocal ability more Mm -hmm. and then that's accented more like that you know to me the drums stand out a lot more on this i think seager himself said how he likes his version because on his version the drums are really laid back where this is a yeah. little bit more up front. And then, you know, in between the lyrics, you get what Kirk's doing. Uh, it just perfectly accents each other. Now, there's kind of um, there's a little formula I'm detecting as I listen to music over the years. And that is, normally a different instrument can take a famous guitar line and transpose it in a captivating way. I'm struggling to think of any examples to back up my point, but stay with me. I don't think it works the other way. I don't really like when guitars do the saxophone part, a la Kirk's part. I do find Kirk's playing quite irritating on this. 
and compared to Clarence Clements. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, I do. I find it quite needling and and desolate and sharp. Man, I I love I love Kirk's interpretation of of the sax and the little Dwayne Alman, he ain't. Man, some of the stuff that happens in between and these little, you know, especially when you, got, when you got headphones on and you can really dig into it. It's just mm-hmm. like, I love those little tidbits he's throwing in there that kind of emulate some a, of the stuff that happens. A, a slide is a, a country guy's wah. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, there is some good drum cut. Like, I like, um, I'm forgetting exactly what happens in this song, but there's a line, uh, I think, where Headfield says SWAT or something, and, and Kurt gets really buzzy and warbly underneath and, and, and nibbling. And it was Clarence Clements who did the... So, basically, the thing about Turn the Page interesting was it was never, like, a proper studio song. It was yep. actually the, the, the live one that I'm sure you know, uh, you know, got really, really famous. So, it was on yep. his... Back in 72 album, which came out in 1973, and yep. then there was a live version from Live Bullet, which still, you know, huge track... Uh, like it's such an american thing you see on wikipedia that doesn't really apply to britain it's always like this song is still gets significant airplay on classic rock stations it's like that kind of dichotomy does not exist in the uk like (laughs) there are classic rock stations but not in that kind of widespread uh state way but um yeah i mean the song itself lots of kind of history of this song it is an iconic song and um you know, uh, the, this was the drummer in the band talking about the song being created. We've been playing somewhere in the Midwest or on the northern reaches on our way to south, north or south Dakota. The guitarist Mike Bruce was with us. We've been traveling all night from the Detroit area to make this gig, driving in this blinding snowstorm. It was probably three in the morning. Mike decided it was time to get gas. He was slowing down to exit the interstate and spider truck stop. We all had very long hair back then. It was the hippie era, but Skip, Mike and Bob had all stuffed their hair up in their hats. You had to be careful out on the road like that because you get ostracized. When I walked in, there was a gauntlet of truckers making comments. Is that a girl or a man i was seething those guys were laughing their asses off a big funny joke that next right after we played our gig i think it was mitchell uh seager says hey i've been working on this song for a little bit i've got this line for it he played it on acoustic guitar and there was that line oh the same old cliches is that a woman or a man it was turn the page yeah well and i think this is only one of i think two songs that seager has said that he had wrote wrote while he while on the road right. all his other songs were written in studio um, I think this one still had to be finished up in studio, but, but it was by and large written on the road, which makes it kind of rare. But again, I think I, that adds to the flavor of the song. Yeah, and the song endures, you know, forever and ever. Like on YouTube, there's a few years ago him playing this track at piano. Uh, John English, who was an Australian singer in 1974, covered this song as the lead singer from his second studio album. Uh, peaked at number 20 in the charts over there. I think it won a Grammy over there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Seeger himself mentioned it where there's quite a cool interview a few years ago where he's asked about what does he think about Metallica's version and he says quote I loved it they told me they were gonna uh, do it and I loved it I really like the drums especially because our drums are really simple it was a cool take on it and he also says it's been done before another guy did it in Australia and won a Grammy for it so I mean yeah it has been done before I haven't actually checked out that version but the Metallica version I mean it's quite a long song but you kind of know where the verses are going essentially there's not a second or third movement things just get more squished together in kind of a positive way but it's layer on layer of heaviness the song seems to get heavier without anything really changing yeah no i would agree with that and obviously it kind of you know explodes at the end there mm-hmm. um very very similar uh in the progression that that seer does too in, in his version mm-hmm. um and i think again it's hard for me to separate this from from the music video yeah uh you know, such Sh- a kind Sh- of a Ginger creepy, Lee. you know, dark music video, mm-hmm. and and the video comes to 
you know, it's, you know, when, when she's on the bed and getting beat up by this, the, yeah. this guy with her daughter looking, you know, it's a, it's a very dark moment, you know? Um, yeah, it just adds, I think, to the power of everything else that's going on with what James yeah. is doing vocally and, and musically. Yeah, it's so interesting how malleable your thought processes are in general with music because, yeah, just because I've not... I saw the video kind of... I didn't really grow up with the video or anything like that or kind of see it that regularly. We did the music videos episode, so I don't really have it for this song. I just kind of have this, the yep. the seagerness of it. And yep. I do like... Um, you know the way they've adapted it again the song doesn't exactly work for me on a melodic level but I do really like the effort here and um, you know and this kind of Americana as well I absolutely go gaga for people like John Prine um, and John Croce and people like that whose song Operator um, I've been playing regularly I think it's one of the greatest songs I've ever written but um, have you seen the Quebec Magnetic performance of this the, the crowd are like brothers in arms people are emotional it, it, it it's a fan favourite I mean mm-hmm. it's the uh, Woodstock as well, great performance of it. Yeah, um, I mean, I got to see it at the All Within My Hand show too, um, and, and everybody was singing along with it. I mean, it was so good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's up there with with whiskey and some of the other covers that they've done. That just people, you know, it's one that's just going to endure. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty. You know, again, my opinions do not represent the wider Metallica fan <laughs> consensus. And, uh, you know, I've proved that yet again. But as we always do, guys, we go over to you at Metallica Pod. Chaosware says this has to be one of my favorite covers uh, from Metallica. It's always a treat when they play it live. Ralph says, enough. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it get, comes out, doesn't it? It's not one of these covers they keep under wraps. No, for sure. I was, you know, I was actually surprised they didn't pull it out in Vegas because. At the time, I didn't I didn't know if it was exactly if it was her or not. But mm-hmm. the but Ginger Lynn, who who was in the music video, was yeah. at the show in Las Vegas and um, back last fall, and apparently that was her first Metallica show ever, mm. which was kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was kind of back by the sound booth. I was like, I mean, I saw this woman. I was like, man, she looks familiar. I think it's her. But I don't want to be that guy to be like go up to someone and be like, hey, were you that? porn star that yeah. was in the music video and be wrong you know and get slapped but uh someone another friend of mine talked to her later on in the show and turned out yeah it was, it was her yeah um, it's, <laughs> yeah it's um who did i fucking see um i've seen it a few times live and every time i see it live it just it just kills yeah 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 yeah. uh 92 times it's been performed live it's funny you mention actually about meeting celebrities or seeing celebrities and not acting on it i live in oxford uh, the same town that radiohead are from and uh, johnny greenwood i saw him with his family like coming out of a bookshop and i was like oh fuck it's johnny greenwood and he obviously didn't say anything he's just like his young kids his sons and shit but it was just cool very cool scene not yep. on the not on the ginger lynn level but if, if those two guys met as well that would be a, an interesting unit or johnny johnny greenwood cover turn the page some sort of instrumental kind of gizmo glitchy version i'd like to hear that but yeah 92 times been played uh debuted october 18th 1998 at la and uh last played less than a year ago in san francisco 2018 november 3rd yeah, well, uh, I believe that was the All Within My Hand show, mm-hmm. if I remember That's that, right. right, yeah, at the yep. Masonic. So I was yep. there, Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw the last performance of those. Yeah. So back to Twitter, Ralph saying another cover that I love, one that fits the band perfectly, as it's about the rigors of being on the road, which is something they are all too familiar with. The boys perform my usual magic on this one and make it far superior to the original. Het is in top form vocally here. I'm glad, I'm glad they replaced the sax with the guitar. It works much better for me here. John Bradshaw says, no, it has to be negative, but there's a couple of stinkers in a row. Bloody hell, this is horrible. Why did they stoop to these steps? Freyden saying James's vocal truly brings out the emotion that the lyrics elicit. This is especially true when the band fades out and it's only the vocals and Jason's bass line. 
And he says, this is Gary Jinks bleeding me for myself. Just like bleeding me, you can tell James is pouring his heart out and is a bit of a precursor to his eventual rehab. Great tune. Jam sang really like it. It was so slow and heavy at the same time. A good song to sing along to. And finally, Fixer says, masterpiece of a cover. The Woodstock 99 performance is particularly amazing. Love playing this one, Driving Alone. Um, any uh, final thoughts for you, Chris, on Turn the Page? No, I think it's uh, it's going to be one of these enduring uh, cover songs that, that Metallica is going to have that we'll continue to enjoy as long as the band keeps going. Mm-hmm. And well, actually, one of the things I want to point out as well, um, Kirk's kind of kind of kind of that lumbering riff that comes in after that uh, pull down with Jason. What do you make of that? And also the kind of the, the, the lead that kind of penetrates through as well towards the end. I mean, I, I think everything that they decided to do, uh, especially at the end, I, Kirk's playing on this does not bug me at all. I, I, I love what he does on this. I think it accents it fine. I I, I think for one, you know, they, they rock-a-sized, I don't know, better word, but they, uh, they metallicized this song yeah. appropriately. Um, uh yeah, I don't. I don't have any complaints about mm-hmm. about any of that. I, I I love every moment about this song. Um, I like the way again Kirk kind of accents stuff between lyrics. Um, yeah, I I love it. Yeah, I just there's certain things like when the song kicks in at the forty second mark and just sort of clatters, <laughs> and it just feels a little cheap country think, you know, to me. I like... mean, they're trying to keep they're they're trying to keep. Um, some connections back to Seeger's version, right? Sure. They did not. They not stray. You know, while they metallicized the song, they didn't. You know, they they still kept some sort of foundational elements. You know, and mm-hmm. that was one of those things. Like that's just a. When you think about Seeger's version of Turn the Page, you think about the saxophone and those parts. You know, and so it would it would you got to do something almost to to bring that into the song. The song is not complete without some sort of interpretation of that in my opinion yeah yeah certainly i just you know we're all with different ears yet again and i must stress that like i'm sure a lot of people to them this is one of their you know great songs like people seem to really really bow down to this track but there's a certain grandiosity with the melody there's a certain didactic nature to just the sound of it the kind of slothy burble that just kind of unsettles me uh, a little bit but uh, again people let me know what you like about this song what you hate about this song what do you think about bob seeger seeger by the way uh suffered from tinnitus uh which is obviously the ringing in the ears caused by exposure ears, to yep. loud volumes and that explains the line uh, later in the evening when you lie awake in bed with the echo from the amplifiers ringing in your head which is the line that kind of accompanies James and Jason sharing that spotlight there, which is really cool. And, um, you know, being covered a lot by the Australian guy, by Metallica. This was a big single. It was number one on, yep. again, again, with the American idiosyncrasies with music. But again, you guys have like 95. <laughs> 11 but, weeks, I believe it was number one. But you guys have like 95 charts over there. I don't understand. Well, yeah, I, you know, it's just like there's an award show for, what is for heat seekers you know, what country's is, got like three, di- country music has like three different award yeah. shows or something, you know, so yeah. I assume they just got all these, all these different charts just so, you know, different people can, you know, more people can claim they're number one for different, yeah. different things. But it was top, you know, it was top, as you say, for 11 consecutive weeks. That's huge. The, the highest number of weeks Metallica's ever spent at the top. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, struck a huge chord, understandably. People, you know, still going mad for this song. But, um, yeah, as we always do, we close with a few quickfire questions. The first being, Chris, your, your favorite Metallica song overall? Uh, for me, it is still For Whom the Bell Tolls. Mm. 
Um, but uh, spit out the bone recently is okay. is right there, right there behind it. To to the fact that I uh, I actually changed. I had the same ringtone on my phone for better part of uh, fifteen years, and Damn. I ended up changing it off. And now it's now it's a, a version of spit out the bone that I <laughs> is now my ringtone on my phone. So, but for whom the bell tolls, it's just. Uh, that does it for me. The energy, okay. it's it's quick. It's the lyrics, everything about it. I love. Uh, album. Uh, again, I, I got to go back to Ride the Lightning. Well, studio album, Ride the Lightning. Mm. Again, because of the progression that happened uh, from the growth that happened from Kill 'Em All to Ride, I really connect with yeah. that. Uh, all in all, though, S and M is is my deal. I I am yeah, obsessed with S and M. Member of the band. Uh, I gotta say, I gotta say Lars. Um, I think uh, him and his whole family are are very interesting uh, cats and just have so many stories and are very intriguing. And I think uh, you would not have Metallica. Metallica would not be Metallica without Lars Ulrich. So yeah, uh, I love Lars. Uh, seeing them live, I know you've seen them quite a lot, right? Yeah, I'm at the. I'm only at the 13 shows right now. So okay. the S and M shows are going to be 14 and 15. For oh, me, you're going uh, to both. Just, yes, I am oh, going to both. Of course, of course. I'll be on the floor for night one, and uh, I got a, I uh, I got a tuxedo that I made. So if you uh, if you're familiar with the OG tuxedo shirt from the original shows in Berkeley, yes. uh, yeah. there's a in the documentary. There's a part where James is like talking about how uh, how silly the shirt is. Um, I basically recreated that shirt, but with an actual tux to to the T. Furley shirt. I uh, created my own uh, updated Ninja Star logo with the mm. glitch M that's on the bow tie. Um, I got a whole design heat press on the back of the tux jacket that mimics the original OG t-shirt. So uh, I'm going all out for this one. And it, what are the great times you've seen them? So, uh, I mean, my first time was uh, St. Anger Tour. Nice. And then saw them twice on Death Magnetic. And... Uh, I've seen them, I guess, 10 times now since uh, a, a year ago, actually, a year ago today, uh, when uh, they opened uh, their first arena tour, uh, arena show in the States in Madison. Um, I guess in between, I did uh, I did see them in Minnesota when they opened up the uh, stadium there. Mm. Um, and that was a pretty, that was an awesome show. That was the debut of Hardwired. So that was uh, kind of a treat to, to be there for, for that. Um, so yeah, um, and then the all within my hand show was, was amazing, but, but I'm really looking forward to the, the, these S and M performances. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be absolutely crazy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm going to see it in Oxford at the cinema. It's not going to be quite as good, but still it will be nice to replicate that. And that, that is absolutely amazing that you're going to both shows. Well, if you, yeah, if you need to look at the forum, I mean, this is just through the forum. There are people coming from 38 different countries, some of them only for the one show on night two. Hmm. So that just speaks to the power of, of, of SNM yeah. and what that means and how, how big this is in the Metallica community. And uh, if you were to do a podcast like this about another band you love, is there any other band you could cover? Ooh, um, I, I think Setzer and Stray Cats and Rockabilly okay. stuff. But I, yeah. think, I think that could be really interesting. That'd be cool. Um, I, I still really love Brian Setzer and anytime he's in, in town, whether it's, uh, he does a big Christmas tour in the States every year. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix of his orchestra strong songs and, and other, uh, Christmassy type songs that he does. I typically see him then. Um, unfortunately I have not been able to, uh, with my travel, I travel so much for work. 
have not been able to see Stray Cats with them touring uh, over here right now. Um, but hopefully I'll get an opportunity to go see them. I like that. I mean, yeah, I'm not... I know who Brian Setzer is. Like, I remember him from my guitar magazines and stuff, and I've watched some of his stuff. And I, I remember him being on Conan O'Brien once and doing yep. a Christmas song on there. And, yeah, he is yep. an unbelievable player. So um, Unbelievable guitar yeah, player. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, 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 I would love that podcast. That is, that is niche as hell. So that would be a very, very welcome podcast. And uh, am I right in thinking you're the guy who basically made Metallica sentient of Metal Your Podcast? <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting. That was my second hardwired experience that I had, and and you know I told the guys I was going to wear my wear my t shirt, oh. and uh, yeah, as I was walking up the band, you know, I, it, it seemed like Lars and and Kirk had at least an awareness uh, of it. I didn't I didn't talk to Rob or or James about it at all, but uh, but yeah, I think they're at least aware of what's going on. Uh, especially, like, you can't imagine Lars doesn't know what's going on no. in the Metallica community at all. You know, he's so you know Metallica's his baby, so. I'm sure he's aware of, of some of the stuff that's been going on. I think it's just a great time to be a Metallica fan. There's so much content out there, the stuff the band's putting out, the stuff that uh, um, Jeff and Brett are putting out with the videos. I mean, it's there's you know the podcasts. There's mm-hmm. so much content out there. It's just a, it's a really great time to be a fan. You know, it's like that thing from the Sistine Chapel where, you know, God's finger is touching. That divide has been crossed in certain podcasts. Sammy Hagar was on my favorite Van Halen podcast. <laughs> so it's not unbelievable that Lars yep. would go on to Metal Apart. I mean, yeah. La- La- okay, Lars can go on MUIP. I'll-, I'll take Ron McGovney. I'm happy with that. Yeah. And Ron actually lives really close. Ron lives, uh, I think, only about two hours away from me. Hmm. Uh, I love how you say really close. Like in the UK, that's so far. Oh, really? <laughs> well, the state, you know, the states is so sure, so huge. You know, I mean, it takes five hours to fly from coast to coast. So, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, no, no, thank you for all you do, man. Sincerely. No, absolutely. I love uh, I love giving back to the to the community, and uh, you know, some stuff has come full circle. You know, I had somebody who was gracious to share a snake pit uh, wristband huh? with me for the Munich show um, just a couple weeks ago. Nice. So, um, yeah, no, it's a really, really great community. I really love it. So, um, I guess, finally, yourself, anything to promote? or? Uh, not really. Like I said, I'm, I'm known as the Honey Badger on the forums. If you're not on the forums, it's a really fun group over there. Mm-hmm. I really suggest getting on the forums. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Um, well, guys, as always, follow us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod.gmail.com. If you want to come on the show, Patreon is there. Episodes like this go onto the Patreon right away. I pretty much just edit it, put an intro on it, pop it on the Patreon. So, yeah, you get to listen to those about a week, two weeks before they drop on the RSS feed. All the other bonus stuff we've got as well. Uh, next up is the Unforgiven Trilogy. Uh, that's going to be the next week and a half. Then the Unnamed Feeling, Until It Sleeps. The View, The Weight, Wasting My Hate. We did it again. We're a happy family. This is the whole list, people. Welcome Home Sanitarium, When a Blind Man Cries. Uh, oh, since we've got Voltoris in that as well that I haven't included yet. Uh, Reverend May Rome, Whiplash, Whiskey in a Jar, and then You Really Got Me with Ray Davis is actually going to be the final Alpha Talica song. But, uh, of course, we will go on from there as well. So, uh, yeah, this has been great, Chris. Again, you know, thank you for um, all the goodwill and joy that you spread in this world. And the fact that, like, you know, you've worn a Metal at Your Podcast shirt in front of the guys is just legendary. Like, I fucking, <laughs> that, that's so great. That That is, like, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, AI becoming real. Like, that's a crazy move, like, of these different dimensions. So, uh, yeah, really respect that. As always, guys, it's been Tom, Al Patalica. Chris, thank you again. Absolutely.